0: Here's what's coming up on today's show.
1: I mentioned the shares have to get journaled or transferred in kind to a non-qualified brokerage account. Everything else in the account, the non nua shares, are typically rolled over to an IRA. Bottom line is you have to empty the 401k. Lump sum distribution, everything's got to be out of the account before the end of the year. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino. Fiduciary Financial Advisor at Securist Financial in the San Diego area. And Thomas O'Connell, President of International Financial Advisory Group, Inc. in Rockaway, New Jersey. Together, they'll be keeping retirement happy from coast to coast.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Retire Happy podcast. I am your host on the West Coast, John I. Marino. Joined by my esteemed co-host on the East Coast, Tom O'Connell. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, John. How you doing? Good, good, good. We had a, uh, a special weekend uh, here for for our family, well, mostly the boys. The girls didn't get to participate, but I have a friend that works for Major League Baseball, so uh, we were able to surprise Jake and his two best friends with field passes for in practice, and... Uh, It was, I mean, as a dad, I I mean, I've been on the field before um, working games when I was in law enforcement, but as a dad to sit there and watch Jake and his buddies just, you know, live out a dream that even, you know, most adults haven't lived out. It it was awesome. And the day before he was, he was doing his batting practice in the morning before school and he just randomly, he had no idea this thing was going to happen. He said, you know what, dad, you know, on my bucket list is to shake Manny Machado's and, you know, he told Manny that and Manny's like, let's do it. And, uh, so he got to shake his hand and, he, and even that night he said, you know, thanks dad, if this was like the best day of my life. So that was our weekend.
3: Yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Those videos that you put out there were, uh, were pretty cool too. I, I, the only thing I could say that possibly would have made it better if it was at Yankee stadium.
2: Yeah, that w- that would be cool, <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't so So, we have another phenomenal episode for you um you know in the past we've had the great ed slot on and today we are going to talk about net unrealized appreciation also known as nua and we have ed slots expert on this andy ives and and we're i'm just really excited to have andy on the show he's got 25 years of experience in the financial industry he's had positions as as uh relationship managers at a mutual fund companies he's been the regional sales director uh, where he's partnered closely with advisors and plan sponsors and then five years ago he decided to remove the sales hat and go to the education hat and he's really the ira technical analyst for the great Ed Slot and Company. So he speaks nationally and I mean, trains thousands of advisors. Uh, he's a CFP and uh, a true expert on NUA. And we are excited to have Mr. Andy Ives on the show.
0: And our special guest this episode, Andy Ives, an IRA analyst for Ed Slot and Company, LLC.
1: Hey, John and Tom. Great, thanks to be here, appreciate it. Yeah, hey, it's great to have right
2: you, Tommy. Another great. Uh, this is another another Tom O'Connell grab with his uh, relationship with Ed Slot. So great work, Tommy.
3: Well, thanks, uh, and uh, you know Andy has been with Ed Slot for quite a while, as as have I, and. Um, I can tell you every time Andy speaks, I'm learning something. So uh, I'm really excited to, to have this, um, John, both you and I have run into a couple of clients, uh, even mo- very recently that have had the situation. And so that's why we thought it was important because we're just finding more and more people that, uh, come across this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, l- literally, uh, I'm dealing with, uh, our custodian on the stock certificates part of the nua um not that we did the nua we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah this is becoming more and more and more prevalent even not even with the highly compensated uh executives but just uh employees so um definitely definitely looking forward to hearing what andy has to say with the, especially his expertise so why don't we and, jump it, right yeah, into i was just it.
3: Gonna, i was just gonna say without tooting our own horn uh you know we don't come across many advisors who are very familiar with this either. So, um, yeah, I think this is a great one for today.
2: No. And, and, you know, Tommy, you made a great point. Um, and from the comprehensive financial planning perspective and you know, the designations that Tommy and I have worked on the extra training at slot. I mean, Tommy's been, you know, one of the original members, right? Tommy. Uh, um, yep.
3: Second graduating class.
2: So the the amount of knowledge that we're trying to bring to our clients because you know investments are important we've said it all all the time but it really is a small slice of the pie and it's it's these advanced planning uh, strategies like the NUA that can add value to your portfolio regardless of market performance and and again Tommy you hit it on the dot there's a lot of advisors out there just focusing on investments and products not strategies and and you're right when it comes to nua when it comes to non qualified or or incentive stock options really i mean in my in my analysis i'd probably say less than 10% of advisors are even giving good uh, advice or have good knowledge on it so we're looking to bring the 10 per, the expert of the 10% onto you so let's get started <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are all good uh, intro conversations and comments. Uh, I would agree with you that not many advisors know about it. We speak all over the country and uh, when I get to the NUA section of our training manual, I get a lot of blank stares when I talk to people out there and it's, uh, it, it pains me to see that because I can only imagine that the end user clients of theirs that get the short end of the stick uh, if they're not taught about NUA, if they don't learn about it, if they're not informed of the possibility. Of NUA being an option with their rollover, so uh, we'll get into the weeds certainly of, of how it works and who's a candidate. Um, but you also, John, made a great comment about it's not just the executives. You know, you have people out there that have been working at a company at uh, it, it maybe a lower level position, but they've been there for 30 years and they've been pumping. You know, every pay period they're pumping money into their account, and every pay period they're buying company stock. And next thing you know, they get a million dollars and they've got some kind of crazy low cost basis, a beautiful NUA candidate potentially. Doesn't have to be an executive, so certainly a lot, a lot of opportunities out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we're throwing NUA out there like it's you know a designation after you know CFP, AIF, RMW, CPWA. The listeners are probably like, what is NUA? So NUA, net unrealized appreciation. Andy, what are we talking about?
1: Okay, yeah, that is. There's so many acronyms in this business of ours. NUA, net unrealized appreciation. So it is applicable. To 401k plans essentially we're talking about company retirement plans Uh, You can get into an ESOP and things like that But when we say a company plan typically we're talking about a 401k You can't do it with an IRA So just a 401k and you have to have company stock in that 401k So if you have company stock in your 401k, which a lot of people do You might be a good candidate for the net unrealized appreciation Tax strategy because that's what it is. It's a tax strategy. You have to have uh, essentially a low-cost basis and uh, a, a significant amount of stock in there now significant is subjective uh, there is an art to this uh, it's not just a, you know a black box NUA. Uh, it's what I call the art and science of, of, of NUA. so we'll get into that as well but essentially it is this if I had hypothetically a million dollars of company stock in my 401k and if I was never told about NUA and this tax strategy, and I decided to roll that money over to an IRA, that's great. I can do that. million dollars just went from my 401k to my IRA, and now I withdraw it. I'm withdrawing it at ordinary income rates. So whatever my, whatever my tax bracket is, now I'm just basically stacking dollars onto that and taking that money out at in ordinary income rates. If, however, I was told about NUA, and I had that million dollars in my 401k, and let's just say, hypothetically, my cost basis was 200 grand. So the stock that I bought through my salary deferrals, uh, I ended up paying $200,000 for it. But then over the years, over the 20 or 30 years that I've been working at this company, it has grown and appreciated to a million dollars. If I proceed with the NUA strategy, basically, I will pay ordinary income, On the $200,000 and capital gains, long term capital gains, on the 800 grand of appreciation. So that's what the NUA tax strategy is. It's it's basically uh, taking what could be a million dollars of ordinary income in this example and taking 800 grand and paying long term capital gains. So it's that spread, that spread between the ordinary income bracket that you may be in and the long term capital gains of essentially 15% for some people.
2: You hit the, the, the tax brackets right there and again when we're talking about adding performance to your portfolio regardless of the market i mean there's a big difference between ordinary income rates of 24 28% and 15% long-term capital gain rates so so in your example that that million dollars of ordinary income being shifted you know the majority over to long-term capital gains that is a substantial tax savings
1: Potentially, yes, absolutely. That spread could be significant, 100%. You're absolutely right. Um,
3: and you could, you could spread that out over time as well, too, right? I mean, you don't have to, if you do this, you go through this process, you don't necessarily have to sell the stock right away.
1: That's right, that's right. So that's what's nice about, about the NUA strategy. So I, I'm going to keep looping back to that million-dollar example because it's just clean and easy to talk about. So yep. we have this person with a million dollars and a $200,000 in basis. If they decide to pursue an NUA transaction, the the company stock that million dollars in company stock would be transferred in kind to a non-qualified brokerage account so they take a distribution from the 401k it goes just to a regular brokerage account doesn't get rolled over to an ira it comes out of the 401k when that transaction happens when that distribution happens they will pay ordinary income on the two hundred thousand dollars of basis which we said that's going to be due that year so yeah you're getting a bump of income 200 grand ordinary income for that year the 800,000 of appreciation you can sell that whenever you want if you want to sell it next week or a portion of it next week you can do so you've got the long-term capital gains locked in if you want to hold it for 15 years you can do so as well that 800 grand is dialed in and locked in at at, at long-term capital gains rates now, Andy, you made a, a a
2: very important statement early on, and I want to look back around to this because I, I had a pretty complex options case. And I as as a lot of advisors do in the in the financial planning realm, you know, we we ask, you know, the opinions of others and, and we are on a mastermind group uh, with Brookstone and I had posed this question: does anyone have any other ideas for this NSO uh case that we're working and one of the advisors had mentioned NUA and you know it's pretty clear that there's a there's a distinct difference between the the option you know already being held in a on a brokerage style account and the NUA so that's kind of going back to that 10% of advisors truly know the intricacies of this but that's the key point number 1 it has to be
1: in that 401k correct it does. It does. And another thing that people get hung up on as well is they say, well, I, I don't have company stock. I have the stock fund. That'll work. That'll work. I know a lot of companies will, you're not buying these shares uh, per se because, you know, if you're deferring, I don't know, 80 bucks or something into into this, the company stock, you can't buy a partial share. So they establish these stock funds. That's great. You can buy partial shares in a stock fund. When you proceed with NUA, those, that stock fund will essentially be converted to shares. And those shares will be journaled to your non-qualified brokerage account so yeah that's a good point there's some definitely some intricacies uh to how the nua works how the strategy works
3: now i know uh, i'm going to get a question from a listener or two out there what if you have stock that you feel is uh, underperforming perhaps or that you see you work for a technology company and you see something Mm -hmm. down the road that it's going to have, or you believe it's going to have a great appreciation in the future. Mm-hmm. And then you part company with your company. And is that something that people would want to look at or do you, does that not work? Well, it
1: could, it could. I mean, if I if I work at company X and we're floundering and I've been buying company stock in company X in my 401k, and I've got a little bit of appreciation or none at all. And, um, uh, if I were to leave that job and go to you know Company Z, which I know is a rocket ship and it's going to do well, I can certainly you know join that 401k and I can buy that company stock. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time to get that appreciation. Assuming it's it's not uh, you know one of these uh, dot coms back in the day that would go to the moon. Um, but it's right. going to take time to get the appreciation so that I can ultimately take advantage of NUA but you've got to have NUA uh, and appreciation for it to take for it to work um right. I know some people will uh what they call re basis so if you've got uh if I've been working at a company I've been buying company stock in my 401k and it's crept up a little bit and crept up a little bit and I've got a little bit of appreciation and then for some reason it tanks you know the market does poorly the stock uh uh bottoms out I can sell all my shares and then rebuy at the bottom, you don't have to worry about wash sale rules or anything like that in a 401k when you do this. Just sell it, rebuy it at a, at a, at a lower uh, bargain basement price, and then basically start your NUA over again in, in the sense that starts your appreciation growth and see how far you can take it before you do the NUA strategy.
2: Wow, that's a see, great,
1: that, that's, that's a awesome. Great, yeah. Yeah,
2: you know, one other thing too, you know, you're mentioning the tax bump because, you know, that $200,000 in an example, you're going to get a $200,000 increase uh, to your income that year. But, you know, if we're looking in using this to our advantage, if a client is saying, you know, should I retire now or next year? And what if next year they're raising ordinary income rates, you know, 5%? This may be a great time to hurry up and, hey, just, you know, swallow, swallow the pill at the lower tax rate in that one year, Right
1: absolutely yeah yeah and there's a bunch of ways there's so many different ways you can manipulate the strategy uh, to, to fit your needs so you know getting back to that million-dollar person with the, that would have the $200,000 uh, uh, income bump for that year that person might say hey uh, listen Tom listen John I can't afford it I cannot afford a $200,000 a hit well you can do a partial annual transaction maybe that person can only afford a $100,000 income that's great uh, take $500,000 of your shares Directly transfer them into your non-qualified brokerage account. You're only going to have hundred thousand dollars of income that year. Now, the other five hundred grand will get rolled over to your IRA, and we're going to talk about how that works. But that'll go to your IRA, and you'll you'll forever lose the opportunity to do NUA on that. But at least you can uh, be more uh, efficient and effective with with some tax planning if you just do a, a partial transaction.
2: Right, and and that brings up a good point because there is. And maybe we can kind of use the example that you just did that the whole, the entire distribution has to happen in the same calendar year, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. Once, uh, once you activate it, and we'll talk about activation of NUA. Yeah, you have to get it done by December 31 or it's gone.
2: Okay. So, Tom, if you're good with this, I want to take a step back. Andy, to qualify for NUA, there's four triggering events. Can we talk about that?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's important. So... You know, people might be listening and say that's awesome. I love NUA, I've got company stock in my 401k, let's go for it. It's not that easy. Uh there, there's definitely some uh, some entry-level qualifications that you gotta have to be able to qualify. Um you have to have a trigger event, and the trigger events are pretty basic. 59 and a half. So once you hit 59 and a half, that is an NUA trigger. Separation from service, uh, that is a trigger event. Disability. Uh, But that's only for the self employed and death. So the biggies are 59.5 and and separation from service. That's what we see most people using. Uh, But but death will follow. You can't avoid it. So it's available to beneficiaries. Uh, NUA is available to beneficiaries. But yeah, the the 59.5 and and, and the separation from service are the key key points. And, And let me just, I'll just talk through how it works. If I just put this out there as far as like the timeline. So I'm an employee. I've got my million dollars that we're talking about. I got my $200,000 in basis. I'm just still working along, having a good time at my company. I turn 59 and a half. My NUA light, as I as I imagine it, comes on. So that light is on. I've hit a trigger. Now I'm eligible to do NUA. I don't have to jump on it right now. That light will stay on in perpetuity as long as I don't do anything crazy in my account. So I hit the 59 and a half. I've hit the trigger, my NUA light comes on, I'm ready to go. A Couple years later, I haven't done anything in my account, I've continued to contribute to it, but I haven't done anything, I haven't taken anything out, done any Roth conversions or anything like that. Now it's three years later, my NUA light is still on, and I say I wanna buy a bass boat. So I need some extra money, I take $10,000 from my 401k because I can take an in-service distribution, and I buy my bass boat. That distribution that I took has now activated my NUA trigger. That light that was on is now flashing. Which means I got to go now. I've got to do this NUA transaction this calendar year. If I don't, if I don't proceed and do this whole thing now, at the end of the year, my NUA light will go off. Now, it's not the end of the world if the NUA light goes off. I've simply lost the 59 and a half trigger. But a couple years later, I retire, I separate from service, my light's gone back on. So I just got to be aware of that. My light's on. I don't have to act right now. But if I do any transactions, let's see RMDs kick in. I got to go. And, and and John, you had mentioned end of the year. The transaction for NUA is this. I mentioned the shares have to get journaled. or transferred in kind to a non-qualified brokerage account. Everything else in the account, the non-NUA shares, are typically rolled over to an IRA. Bottom line is you have to empty the 401k. Lump sum distribution. Everything's got to be out of the account before the end of the year. That's that's the the, the magic action. If you you can just do an NUA transaction and, and move the stock, but if you don't empty the account of everything else, you're going to fail the NUA test. So, yeah. So you, this isn't earn-
2: something you can have a discussion with with Uncle Uncle Stan on Christmas Day and expect to get it <laughs> right. done.
1: No, no. We say right. we say we, we our our philosophy is do not uh, start NUA after Thanksgiving because you're not gonna get it done in time, probably. So uh, if your light's not flashing, wait till the next year.
3: Yeah, and you know, earlier on, uh, we used to, uh, with Ed, we always used to say, you know, after really October 1st, don't even try, because a lot of the broker chasses and, and um, the HR people had no idea what this was. And mm. it took a while, sometimes it took 60 to 90 days to get these uh, type of transactions completed. You know, so you got to be very careful about that. Now, um, Andy, you said something about a distribution coming out to buy your bass boat. But um, a couple of other events like a borrowing from your 401k or doing a Roth conversion, that's also going to set that light flashing, right?
1: Yeah. So uh, just, you know, a normal distribution like we talked about. If you have, like, some people have 72T distribution set up on their on their 401k, you can do that. That'll activate the, the trigger. Um, RMD, you, you could, you know, separate from serv- from service when you're 70, your NUA light goes on, and you're just hanging out, and all of a sudden RMDs kick in, required minimum distributions when you're 72, and they pay out to you automatically. Now your light's flashing. That activated right. it, and you might not even be aware of it, uh, as That's would what an in-plan Roth conversion.
2: Wow, wow. And, it, and let me take that one – more common example is you get a lot of these people that, you know, they can do an in-service roller over after 59 and a half. So they've reached the 59 and a half mark. They go to, uh, you know, an advisor who doesn't know about NUA um, or a broker and they're like, oh yeah, just roll, roll that uh, 401k over and we'll get you your 8% return every year. So they roll it over <laughs> and
1: they just triggered the NUA.
3: Bank statement. Yeah, frenzy. absolutely.
1: 100%. And, and they and not only have they have they triggered NUA if they've rolled over the whole thing and they didn't even think about it, if they put those comp those stock shares and they rolled them into the IRA, they just killed NUA And you can't go back. Absolutely destroyed it. You cannot reset and put the money back in the 401k and you can't get the NUA tran- uh, strategy once those shares hit the IRA.
3: So yeah, no do overs.
1: Yeah, no. So um, I, I'm, I'm picturing in my head, uh, like a 401k statement. And it's easy to go right to the bottom of the page and put a big, you know, highlight around the $2.4 million. But it's so much more important to work yourself up the page and not only look at things like after-tax dollars and Roth dollars, but what are the holdings in that account? If I've got $1.5 million in company stock, I, as an advisor, better be asking that question about NUA. Right,
0: right,
2: right. And one, I guess, one asterisk. That could be put on one of the trigger and events because this is what I uh, just had a, a client where we chose not to do NUA for various reasons, but one of them was the fact that she separated from service, so technically was retired from her company, but it was prior to age fifty five. So therefore, um, you know, she's she's uh, much younger than the fifty five, so she would get hit with that ten percent penalty. If we chose to do the NUA because with that retirement, the asterisk has to be there that you also have to be 55.
1: There's a couple of nuances there. So yeah, 55 is the magic age because of the age 55 exception. So if a person retires at age 55 or later, they can have access to their company dollars so they don't have to worry about the 10% penalty exception. If a person hypothetically retired at age 50 or 45 or what have you, and let's say that person had the million dollars and they had the $200,000 in basis, uh, you would have to have the NUA discussion to see if it makes sense because... If they did proceed, if this younger person did proceed with an NUA transaction and they said had all the million come into their non-qualified brokerage account and they had to pay ordinary income on the $200,000 in basis, the 10% penalty would only be applicable to the basis. So that person would have, in fact, a $20,000 penalty, the 10% penalty, but would that be worth it in compared to the tax savings for NUA? So that's where we get into the whole art of a way. And and there's a tipping point someplace, you know, if you picture a a seesaw, uh, there is a tipping point somewhere where it makes sense. And what what might make sense for one person might not make sense for another. Right.
3: So let me ask you this. Let's let's take the example of the person who has an affinity for the company He's retired 75 years old, takes an RMD, right? So now that triggering event that triggering event is over, then he passes away. There you go. His spouse can then ro- do an NUA with uh, with that four hundred one k. Correct.
1: As as could his grandkids if they were the beneficiaries. Yeah, absolutely they could. So uh, you know, using that scenario, uh, that seventy five year old never never takes his money out of the four hundred one k. Let's say let's say he separated from service, so was taking RMDs. So he killed his NUA uh, trigger lights for fifty nine and a half. Uh, he killed his separation from the service trigger, but now he dies. That light goes back on again. And it's a, it's a glowing light there for the beneficiaries to look at. And if that spouse or the grandchild, whoever's the beneficiary of that account, wants to pursue NUA, and if that NUA transaction makes sense tax-wise, absolutely, it is available to the beneficiaries.
3: And then with the non-spouse uh, desi- uh, beneficiary designation, doing the NUA, you, you get out of that 10-year uh, distribution rule for beneficiary IRAs.
1: Well, yeah. Let's so let's spend that one forward. Right? So that we got the. Yeah, you're right. You got the million dollars. It, it, let's say it goes to the grandkid. The, you know, the adult grandkid is I don't know, 25, 30 years old. Uh, it goes into an inherited IRA account. He's got a million bucks in there. He's got the 10 year rule. You know, grandpa was 75 taking RMDs. So now this kid's got to take 10 on RMDs in years one through nine. He's blasting this money out of the account at whatever his ordinary income bracket is. If he had pursued NUA. He would have got hit with the $200,000 up front, but he would have locked in 15% capital gains, hopefully 15% on that 800000 So definitely a possibility to get a little bit of a spread a break in taxes there.
3: This thing could be so killer for somebody. It really could. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. I, and and there are people out there that know about it. And I've heard stories that one advisor told me that um, he had a, a prospect come into his office. And the prospect was open and said, that he goes, I've been to four different advisors. I, and I'm just—I just want to see what they have to say. And he spread all his stuff out on on the desk. And this advisor knew about NUA, and he was looking through his paperwork. And he goes, and the advisor asked the client. He said, "I see you've got some company stock in your 401k. Have you heard about NUA?" And the client raised an eyebrow and said, "So you heard about that? Have you?" And this guy won the account simply because he knew about NUA. And this client was sneaky. He was fishing. Who knows about NUA? And he found that advisor, and he won the account for it.
2: Yeah, but I mean, smart, smart move by the the client prospect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, in in because we are just on the the topic of death. Um, one thing that you know I'd like to talk about is the cost basis and step up at death. When you know we're doing some estate planning considerations, can we just talk about that really quick, Andy?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's no step up with NUA. Um that that is locked in. So that two hundred, eight hundred thousand dollar account, you know, if, if that, that grandchild beneficiary that wants to do that transaction, they're not gonna get a step up uh to the million. If they do the annual transaction, they're gonna have the two hundred thousand dollar tax and they're gonna have the eight hundred thousand dollar long term capital gain. So right. uh, that's uh certainly one thing to be aware of for beneficiaries to make sure that they understand how that works and how it and how it wouldn't work. With a step up,
2: but then again, even if you lost the step up in basis, which yeah you, know, you hate losing it because of course we would love things tax free um but I'd much rather play pay long-term capital gains rates than ordinary income rates, especially if if as a beneficiary, you know I'm a higher income earner
1: absolutely one hundred percent yes, yes yes, absolutely or, or if you're,
3: um, or if you're a lower income earner right now and and your capital gains rate is a zero
1: yeah that's true that's true you can uh Maybe yeah i've kid. seen people I, i've seen people do that uh, you know they uh they do the NUA transaction they they uh they bite the bullet with the um the, the basis they pay the tax on that basis and then they're in such a low bracket they just slowly slowly peel away and they pay the zero percent bracket if they can so
3: you
2: know and tommy uh, that's a great point you make because again what we preach to our clients is you know even the beneficiaries are individuals that need their own planning. You just don't say, "Oh, you know what? I've got a, a million in in non-qualified money that's going to receive a whole step up and a million in IRA money. I'm just going to just go 50-50 to each kid when one kid may be a lower income earner, you know, maybe they're doing something they love and it, it's not a very high income salary and they're making, you know, $60,000 a year and then you have, you know, your other uh, child that's making 400,000 you're cutting in the IRS as a, a large beneficiary because that high income earner is going to get a huge tax bill on top of their tax bill. So, even kind of something like this, and Andy, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you could sit here and go, well, you know what? I've got this other non qualified money that's going to receive the step up in basis. I'm going to leave that to my higher income earner child because they're going to get the tax break there. And then my lower income earner child is going to be perfect. For this non step up in basis, because we can manage that to where they are not paying capital gains on this because of their income.
1: That's right. 100%. Yeah. You could say, I'm going to give my uh, high earning child my Roth IRA because it's tax free. And I'm going to give my uh, low earning child this large, you know, do the math to see what the value is, give them an equal value, but certainly give them maybe the Roth IRA to the higher earner and, and uh, figure out how to do the annual to the lower earning child. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of different things. One thing I did want to uh, mention, because I'm sure anybody that's listening is probably thinking about this, is, okay, um, I do the NUA transaction. I don't sell the stock right away once it's in my non-qualified brokerage account. What happens to the appreciation after the distribution? This is where, in my mind, I I call it the NUA parfait. So you've got a three-layer parfait uh, sitting in front of you in this nice glass. And and the bottom level of that parfait is the the $200,000 Uh, cost basis that we talked about. The next level of that NUA parfait is the $800,000 of appreciation that happened inside of the 401k. So now the million dollars has come out. But now that stock is still doing well. So now we've got appreciation after the distribution. That appreciation uh, would need to be held for one year before it gets the long-term capital gains rate. So that's the only thing to consider when it comes to—I know a lot of people think about the one-year hold—any appreciation after the distribution uh, would be ordinary income unless it was held for one year. So just be aware of that third layer of the NUA dollars.
3: Great, great point. Now, um, uh, let's—I mean, I know the answer to this, but let's get it out there for the audience, right? Um, So I do an NUA. Everything goes perfectly smooth. And then— january 15th of the following year i get a dividend from the stock mm-hmm. what happens
1: yeah that's a good question great question because that happens all the time uh dividends will trickle in interest will trickle in uh that will not disqualify NUA. so you got to do your lump sum distribution you got to get everything out of the account before the end of the calendar year but uh you know be, beyond some your control sometimes stuff will trickle in as long as you just take that out uh, you're good to go and that actually leads me to another point. I've had people say, okay uh, I hit 59.5. and a half I haven't left my company, but I anyway really is attractive to me So I'm gonna go ahead and do the anyway transaction. Okay, go for it They do the anyway transaction Everything is well and good and this person says but I want cont- to keep contributing to my plan Can't do it once you do the anyway transaction and you've done the lump sum distribution and you emptied the account Yes dividends that trickling can come out. Yes interest can can get paid out, but you can't go back in there and just start start all over again with your salary deferrals and company match and stuff like that.
2: Now, is that for the rest of your career or is that just in that one year?
1: For the rest of your career at that company, for that plan, for that plan. Now, if you if you quit that job and went to another company and worked there for another 10 years, you could do NUA again, if you had good appreciation in that other new company. But for that existing plan, once you choose NUA, you are basically uh, tapping out of that 401k.
2: Right. Great, great point right there. So Andy, we've talked a lot about the uh, the nuances of the NUA. But for the listener out there, who really is a good candidate for
1: NUA? Anybody that has company stock in their 401k, number one. So if you have company stock, yes, you could be a good candidate. Secondly, is it highly appreciated? And I said earlier that's a subjective point I've had people say that you know they've got $50,000 in basis and they've got a $200,000 total value of the stock 150 grand might not be worth it to some people other people say yes I'm gonna pursue anyway so is it highly appreciated and what do you what do you consider to be highly appreciated in your own mind maybe 50 grand basis you need 500,000 for it to be worthwhile to you so that's number two Uh, and number three just think about your age are are you are you nearing it a, a trigger point uh, we talked earlier about being 55 or being earlier. You know, just think about if a trigger is imminent, so to speak. Right,
2: and then obviously you need the ability to pay the taxes.
1: A hundred percent. Yes, yes. That and and
2: that, that really same. could. I mean, for for some people that where they can't pay the taxes, that might just be. Yeah. You know, all right. Well, then your other option is no NUA.
1: Absolutely, yeah. If you if you can't pay the taxes, it's just like if you you know I want to do a Roth conversion, I can't afford the taxes. Well, then you're out. Uh, assuming you don't pay it from the you know from the, the IRA conversion. But uh, yeah, absolutely, you you, you got to have the money to be able to pay the taxes. But again, I mentioned earlier, uh, you might not be able to do the whole thing, and you can do a partial. You can certainly do a partial NUA transaction, and maybe sell, help yourself save some taxes on that deal. Right. Right.
3: I mean, and we're talking long term tax savings too, not just for today. And we, we all know 2026 tax rates are going higher and likelihood is they're going to go higher again. So uh, if you're looking at this for a much longer term, and even if you're looking at this, like we were just saying a little while ago, generational planning, you could be saving literally hundreds of 1000s or millions of dollars over uh, a generation or two. Yeah, and I
2: mean, in terms of even generational planning, you know, you can gift you know, you have gifting strategies. You have charitable remainder trusts. I mean, we we could we could teach. You know, we could do this podcast for hours, right, Andy?
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, we talk about generational. I think about a person that's working and their entire gen- their entire history of their work. Uh, they might go through generations of businesses. There could be you know acquisitions, buyouts. What's nice about NUA is that doesn't uh, ruin NUA. See, people ask that question. Well, I started working at you know this company, and they got bought by this company, and the stocks were changed changed over to this company. You still have a basis, so you can still do anyway. So mergers aren't going to hurt anyway either.
3: So anybody out there that used to work for uh, Bell, and we went through eight thousand iterations of Bell Atlantic, Verizon, so on and so forth. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but <laughs> yeah, that's you know that that's the kind of ex- that's an example of what you were just saying.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and you got to be careful too, as well, because some people say, well, I'm going to do, I've heard so many sneaky things. Well, I'm going to do the anyway transaction. I'm going to, I'm going to journal everything into my non-qualified brokerage account. And then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, ro- within 60 days, I'm going to roll that stock into my IRA. No deal. That's not going to work. Once that goes, if you put that into the IRA, not going to work. I had, I had one person, uh, somebody call me and say uh, that they separated from service and they said, how long do they have to be retired for before they can go back to work? And I, I, I raised an eyebrow and said, are they trying to fake a trigger? Uh, and it was. It was a person that had, like, it was a company owner that had a whole bunch of money in his company stock. He was going to quit, create a trigger of separation from service, and then come back to work six months later. I said, no way. You cannot run a scam, anyway, a trigger like that. But there's stuff, there's all kinds of stuff going on out there. If you do it straight, and 99% of the people will do it straight, it can absolutely help the right people.
2: Right, and there's some people that just you know long to be part of IRS publications.
1: <laughs> yep, uh, that if that person proceeded, he would definitely be in one of our manuals uh, uh, as he was behind bars telling his story. And Ed, 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 Ed
2: would have a ton
1: of jokes at his conference about that. That's right. Exactly.
3: How how will they know? And what is that?
1: That's, yeah, go ahead. You can tell it.
3: Uh, ask the guy in the cell next to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's in that area there. How how would they know that I'd fake this transaction? I don't know. Ask the guy in the cell next to you. (laughs) Now, Andy, I want to go back
2: to to one of the triggering events because you made another key point um, earlier. When it comes to total and permanent disability, you said that was on self-employed.
1: Yeah, the disability um, trigger is only for the self-employed person.
2: So you're you can be an employee, let's say you sustain, you know, some type of, you know, permanent disability and you're fifty, that that's not gonna and, and you do you know, you do qualify in terms of the NUA having that highly appreciated stock, whatnot, but you're totally dis- disabled, but you're gonna be subject to a ten percent penalty if you try to do NUA because you didn't reach the age fifty five.
1: Well, if you're disabled, you would be able to probably use the 10% disability exception as well. So you can definitely layer in some things there. Um, again, a- assuming I'm self-employed and I become f- permanently disabled, I could use NUA and I could probably also use the NUA, or excuse me, the, the disability exception. Um, so that would work. I have not seen in all my time, I've not seen anybody use NUA uh, that was self-employed that became disabled. The ones that we always see are, of course, 15 and, and separation from service, and then uh, death does come up occasionally. Sadly, I think that most beneficiaries are simply not aware of the NUA possibility. Um, but I, I will say, I've not seen a disability one yet.
3: But when you say self-employed, so now you're talking about private company stock and not publicly traded company stock,
1: right? Yeah, that's what I mean. There's, there, that's why that's probably why there's just so many nuances to that where it just it just doesn't fit. You're you're absolutely right, Tom.
2: Yeah. So we've talked about all these nuances, but let's, if we can finish up, if it's okay with you, Tommy, let's talk about everything's going along smoothly. Uh, The plan is, you know, we're we're mid year, we're retiring. uh, All the triggers are met and they want to implement the NUA. What, What are some things that they must do, you know, in the terms of, you know, they get, have to notify their plan administrator and, and things like that, that they really have to go down the list and check the boxes on?
1: Yeah, good question. I always recommend, because people will call me, Andy, I want to do NUA, I got a client. I said, what do we do? I said, call the plan. Call the plan, tell them what you your. What your uh, intent is they will have their own protocols built in. They might have a form to you, for you to, to, to fill out. But yeah, number one, call the plan and let them walk you through their process. Typically, they'll have, like I said, a form. You fill it out, you send it in, and they will go ahead and process the NUA transaction as they normally do. Most plans are aware of NUA. Once in a while, you might find a plan that doesn't know what they are or what that is. Also talk to your tax advisors because, and the CPAs out there because not every tax person knows what NUA is. I, I've seen problems with that before. But uh, yeah, step one, contact the plan, find out what their protocols are.
2: Right. And then, and then expect two transactions, right? There, there are the two separate transactions.
1: That's right. You're going to have the, the, the transfer in kind to your, to your brokerage account. You're going to have typically the rollover of everything else uh, to the IRA. So yeah, it's definitely a couple of things, a, a couple of moving parts here. That's why we talk about not doing it too late in the year. One thing that I've heard a couple of times and it's super frustrating is when a plan has not tracked cost basis. I felt so bad for one person where a guy had worked at a company for 30 years and he, and, uh, he had been contributing to the company stock for years and, years and years and years and years and he knew he had significant appreciation, but it was not documented at the plan. If the plan doesn't have it, if you have it, if you as the participant have that, if you have proof, that'll work. I've had people, you can, you know, typically cost base is just an average cost basis of all the shares that you bought. If you want to do specific shares, with cost basis. You can do that. If you know what shares you bought, You know, if you bought a bunch of shares at a lower price and then the the stock went up and you bought more at the higher level, but then went back down and you bought more at the lower level, if you can do specific identification, you can just pick the lower cost shares and leave the other ones to roll over. So that's a possibility as well. But it all comes down to documentation and what proof you have. Hopefully, the plan has tracked your basis. Typically, they're going to do an average basis. Um, But if they don't, if you have the proof, that'll work as well.
2: Okay, so let me play devil's advocate here. You've you've just been working. You don't know, you know. You just you knew you had it, and you're just you're doing your part, making the contributions. And then all of a sudden, you know, like we see for, for you know a good number of people, that time comes where they're like, I've got to really learn about this stuff because now it's relevant. They don't have any records, and in your example, the company doesn't have any records. You know, the IRS just isn't going to accept that, right?
1: Yeah, you got to have proof. You got to have proof. And 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 some people try to recreate it. Like they will, they save their pay stubs so they know what their pay stubs were. They know what they put into the to the four hundred and one k. So they research what was the stock price back then, and they try to back into what their cost basis was. That's a massive uh, effort and responsibility to try to rebuild that. Um, but ultimately. If you don't have it, and if the company merged a couple of times and changed custodians and 401k plans a bunch of times, and that information is gone, then unfortunately, uh, you're just out of luck.
2: Wow! So that's a good thing for listeners. Hey, after you listen to this, call up your plan administrator, make, make sure they, they got tracking. the cost basis rolling right.
1: right. Absolutely, 100. percent. Yes.
2: And, and then, so and, I, and then in the end, sorry, Tommy, go ahead.
3: No, I was just—I had two quick questions. Um, one is. Andy, what would you say are the one or two things that you see most often happen that blow the NUA? And then the second question is, uh, NUA does not apply to the Obama tax, correct? Obamacare tax.
1: Uh, I'm not sure about that, about as far as the tax. Um, the 3. That one I can't- on the— Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, I apologize. Uh, yeah, you're right. The 3.8 tax uh, does not apply to NUA. I apologize. I just didn't understand where you're going with that one. But yeah, 100%. Yeah, 3.8 does not apply to NUA. I talked about the uh, the NUA parfait and any appreciation after the distribution. Any future appreciation will be subject to that 3.8 uh, surtax, but the, uh, the actual appreciation, the NUA does not. So, yeah. And by by
2: 3.8, you guys are referring to the net investment tax.
1: That's right. The net net investment income uh, tax. That's exactly what we're talking about. And as far as your first question, um, what do I see that uh, blows up NUA? It's... A combination of not knowing about it and doing some sort of transaction some sort of innocent innocuous transaction like a in-plan roth conversion or a bass boat distribution purchase um that ruins anyway that's it it is the most basic of things uh it's not a huge explosion it's a little spark that that makes that light flash the NUA light flash and then if you don't get it done by the end of the year it's gone
2: yeah now in closing on this when you know after they implement it there are a couple of things that the client has to be aware that they're going to get right number 1 they're going to get a 1099r for the distribution for, of the company stock right yes and then the other thing is especially and and I've I've seen CPAs that weren't well versed when it comes to executive compensation is from what I've uh, seen you you're also going to complete form 4972 um when you're doing your taxes
1: i don't think you need to do that with it with you may need to do that with executive compensation but not with NUA because NUA is going to be all reported on that 1099. everything that you need to know is going to be on the 1099. now you're going to have to net a couple of things together uh it'll show the distribution the taxable amount like in our example was the 200 grand NUA will be on there so you'll have a couple of different boxes on the the 1099 but that's all you will need to file your taxes because it will be all on that 1099 r form
2: Right.
3: Okay. Great.
2: Great. Tommy, you got anything for Andy left?
3: No, I think I covered everything from my end.
2: And, and I mean, folks, again, we, we haven't even talked about charitable remainder trust, gifting. I mean, there's just so much more um, that, you know, we could really just make your head explode. If you we know, haven't already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy, uh, phenomenal show. I mean, just Another show that I just flew right by, great information, important information, because and we say this time and time again, investments are important, but it's the planning that can add a ton of value, and taxes matter. So, hey,
3: listen, you save somebody all that money in taxes, that's that's better than any rate of return. It's an infinite rate of return.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we've had clients where not only do we save them in taxes- that are, you know, your your transparent tax is the ordinary income tax, but we've gone back and had clients uh, petition Medicare and they've saved on that Medicare tax, also known as a premium, um, you know, and we've added, you know, tens of thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars just in a few years, to clients' portfolios that would have otherwise been lost to the taxman, and and there's the only difference between tax loss and market loss is you're not recouping tax loss. You're that that's done and gone forever. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the Retire Happy podcast. I want to thank uh, Andy for coming on and talking about this complex subject matter and and also simplifying it. I, I mean, you did a great job, Andy.
3: Yeah, for sure.
1: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I had a good time.
3: Andy, thanks. Really appreciate you your doing this for us. And so, folks, if
2: uh, you have questions on executive compensation anyway and you need help, give Tommy or I a call. We'll be more than happy. Um, you know, we have experts like Andy in our corner to help us with the precise planning that needs to be taking place so with that uh, another great show uh, I would love to have Andy on in the future Andy if you come back and we can talk about some other intricacies of NUA or, or anything else with an IRA
1: all kinds of good stuff out there to talk about for sure
2: all right folks well that's gonna wrap it up until then enjoy your uh, what's left of the summer and enjoy that peace of mind and retirement take care folks
0: it's easy to get in touch with John and Thomas. If you're more on the West Coast, give John a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com That's gosecurus.com If you're more of an East Coaster, then call Thomas, 973-394-0623. That's 973-394-0623. And online at InternationalFinancial.com. That's internationalfinancial.com. And you can, of course, always just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for all that contact information. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll see you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM, Securus Financial, and International Financial Advisory Group are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Iamarino, Thomas O'Connell, and guests on this show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot